Welcome everyone to the Fibonacci Temple, spirituality for everything that fits together. I'm your host, Jay Caffaretta, and here at the Fibonacci Temple podcast, we will be talking about everything that fits together in some weird and uncanny kinds of ways. I welcome your comments, and I hope you'll subscribe to our weekly podcast. Today's episode is about when you find out you're the bad guy. When my son was about 10, he started playing a video game, and it was a game that you got to make choices, and it was pretty clear after a while that of the four choices you could make, you sort of were identifying with a particular character or a particular set of attributes. And so as you made your choices, as long as you were consistent, you would consistently become that character. And of course, most people are not all consistently one way or the other, but for his particular case, he kind of picked a certain way because he was 10 and so it just made sense to him. So he gets to the end of the game and he realizes as he you know, gets to the last level, the last moment, the end of the game itself, and he realizes that he's actually been a bad guy. He's actually been working for the villains against good people and it's devastating. He's absolutely devastated. So we had to have a long talk. We had many talks about how when we believe something and we're given the information that we're given, it of course allows us to come to certain conclusions. Those conclusions being that you're doing the right thing, you're making good choices, you're helping people, you're doing all the right things. And then the big lie that came at the end was a really difficult lesson for him. And so it kind of reminded me of what we're sort of going through right now in our country, which is if you are misled by every piece of information, if you are told that what you're doing is the best thing that you can do, that this makes you the, a better person, of course you're going to choose to do that because people are fundamentally good. And I realized that even with the polarization of the United States right now and all the different factions and, and beliefs and political and all these things, that every one of these people still believes that what they're doing is the right thing. And they're not evil. I know it's hard to sort of detach from that, but all of the rhetoric, the words that people are saying about how the other side is, is horrible and they're trying to destroy America. This is kind of like when uh, someone tells you that you're going to go to hell if you don't change. It is with a good intention. It is meant with the hope that you will learn to see the light and you will change your ways in order to save yourself. It's the, it's the Ebenezer Scrooge story that if you just had the right information, you could change your behavior and you could then actually become good because you don't recognize that your beliefs, your thoughts, your words, your actions are actually not very good. But we are led to believe, we are given the information to believe, and we do believe, based on the information that we have, that what we're doing is the right thing. We'll make the earth, make the planet, make the United States, make our lives, our families, our country better as a result of the things that we believe in. Now, the hard thing is to figure out which one is the lie, which one is not true, which one is the one that is proven to either provide the outcome you want 
or to not provide the outcome you want. And clearly, I have a bias. I, if you've listened to any of my podcasts, you understand at least some fundamentals about how I think about the world. And so when posed with this question, posed with this idea that if you believe that what you're doing is right, you should, of course, act on those things. That's what we tell our kids all the time, that if you believe in your dream, don't let anyone tell you no. Don't let anyone get in your way. Don't let anyone stop you. Never surrender. Never give up. And yet, if we find out that the information that we're acting on is not really true, what do we do? Do we pivot? Do we change? Do we acknowledge? Do we apologize? How do we then cope with the idea that what we thought was true is not true? That is the question for 2021, I think. How do we pivot? How do we change? How do we accept new information that challenges the ideas that we had before? And then what do we do? Do we do it because we are a big enough person that we can accept that we've made a mistake or that there was an error or an accident? Or do we just double down because we're embarrassed? Or do we say nothing because then we don't have to acknowledge that we made a mistake because we're perfectionists? How do we go from believing a lie to believing a truth? And then who gets to decide what that truth is, right? Because that's always the ultimate question. Who gets to decide? If I decide that my truth says that I believe in heaven, I believe in hell, I believe that people who get assistance from the government are lazy, that uh, paying taxes is something that only, you know, that should be done on a very equal basis, like everyone should just pay sales tax because that's what matters, then it's fair, that um, that gravity is going to work in every situation in every part of the universe, which we know is not true, because when you go to the moon, of course, the gravity there is different. And e the gravity is even different on different parts of the planet. There was a great uh, show by, I think it was either National Geographic, some, maybe it was the BBC, who did a a whole thing about how gravity is different on different parts of our planet. And they went around and measured different parts. So if you believe that gravity is constant, in theory, yes, it is constant. Is it accurately constant? No, it's not. So is it a lie that gravity is constant? No, not necessarily. Gravity is real. It's just that it's not just one thing. And I think this is sort of where I'm going with this that every truth is not pure. It's not 100% this, because every one of us has our own experience, our own lives, our own set of beliefs that make those truths real or not. It's a continuum. And the more I see my kids grow up and the more I talk to them about how the world works and how they can make their own decisions, and how they can come to a decision, it's all about seeing things as sort of a continuum. So my sister says, you should stop telling your kids that they can do whatever they want when they grow up. Why? Because you can't really do whatever you want when you grow up. And I say, well, as long as you're willing to face the consequences, you can do whatever you like. And so that's not, it is true, but it's not really true, right? You can't really decide that you're going to walk down the street in Kenosha, Washington and shoot people. Oh, well, maybe it is true, but not, not really, not technically. It is against the law to just murder people in cold blood. Just pick them out of a crowd and shoot them. That's against the law. 
So back to my, my video game dilemma for my son. So what do you do when you figure out that it's a big lie? How do you manage the lie? And then how do you move on from that? Of course, we know if you've paid any attention to anything going on in our country right now, which I can't imagine that you don't, but there are people who don't. There are people who get no information because even Ronald Reagan, after his life of being a movie star and then the governor of California and then the president of the United States for eight years, still only had 80% name identification. That means that 20% of the people that lived in the United States when he was done, only only those few, I mean, 20% is a lot. If you think about it, there are 300 million people in the United States, 20% of them didn't know who the president was. That, that seems crazy to me, but that's the way life goes. Again, this is like, how could you not know? Well, you know, here in America, we think we're the center of the universe and we often don't know the leaders of other countries. So why would we know the leader of our own country? So the big lie, if the big lie is that the election was rigged, if the big lie is that the election was stolen, if the big lie is that you should fight to restore your freedom, if the big lie is that the Second Amendment guarantees you a assault rifle, if the big lie is that you need to believe that you have access to every opportunity that everyone else does despite your own personal situation and that everybody has the same opportunity in the United States, that's not true. It's not true that you that everyone has the same opportunity. I know that I will get pushback on that, but if you think about people who are incarcerated, people who have been convicted of a drug possession charge and are now felons cannot vote. And in some states, like in Florida, they made a law, they chose, voted on, and made a law that if you had served your time, then you had paid your debt to society and that you could have your voting rights restored. Now, the governor at the time, Rick Scott, said we have to set up a panel and every case has to be, has to be decided. And I will get to decide whether or not you have paid your debt to society and if your voting rights can be restored to you. Of all the people that went in front of them, uh, went in front of him and his panel, less than 1% were actually allowed to have their voting rights restored. And that was after they had paid fees that this panel decided that they owed. So this is what we might call a poll tax, right? You have to pay money in order to be able to vote. It's just that simple. It's That's the concept. So can you really get representation in the United States? No. Does everyone have the same opportunity to vote? No. Does every voice get heard? No. Does every vote count? No. When we think about the people in the District of Columbia, there are over 600,000 of them. That's more than in two other complete states in the United States. And they do not have representation because they're not a state. They don't have senators. 600,000 people live in an area with no representation. That's what our country was founded on, right? Taxation without representation in Parliament, in England. So yet we've set up the same stinking system right here in the United States. So the big lie is that the election was stolen. Well, if the election was never fair to begin with, 
then how do we fix the election system so that people in the District of Columbia will have a voice in the Senate? Well, we have to make them a state. Who doesn't want to make the District of Columbia a state? Well, currently it's the Republicans. Consistently, consistently it has been the Republicans who have voted against the issue of statehood for the D District of Columbia for the last, I don't know, 20 years, more than that probably. Every cycle, there is legislation that's put forth to make D.C. a state. So if you live in D.C., you are not represented in our federal government. This is a problem. So when people tell me that there were irregularities in the vote counts, there were changes to the laws in these states, like in Pennsylvania, where people had started voting and then the Pennsylvania state legislature decided to change the law to make it easier for people to vote as a result of the pandemic. And then other state senators challenged the right of those state legislatures to change the rules, right? So Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz said that the people in Pennsylvania changed the rules. And so therefore the election should be thrown out in those states. The electoral college votes should be thrown out in those states because of these voting irregularities. You may have also heard that there were more than 61 cases litigated in local, federal, district courts about the election results and that no fraud was found. Even the Attorney General William Barr said there was no election fraud that would have fundamentally changed the election. And Georgia seems to be a particular hotspot because this is the one where Donald Trump made the statement and he made a phone call to the Secretary of State there telling him he needed to find enough votes plus one to enable Donald Trump to win the state of Georgia. Why was Donald Trump so fixated on the state of Georgia? This is a great question, because even if he had won the state of Georgia, it would not have changed the outcome of the presidential race. He still would have lost, even if he had won Georgia. It wasn't enough. And so the phone call that he made after the election to an election official in a state where he tried to pressure him, he did pressure him to change the electoral count we're acting as if that doesn't matter, or some people are acting as if that doesn't matter. So there's all this, you know, back and forth. Well, they would have done it too. Well, they said this, or they did that before. When I was five years old, my mother said to me, it doesn't matter who started it. You're in it. So we can't keep pointing fingers across the aisle and saying, well, you would have done it or you started it. It's time for somebody to stand up and say, well, that's all great, but that's in the past now. So. How do we hold people accountable and also deal with the fact that that's in the past? If you commit a crime and you do it while you're in office and the people in your party say, well, it, we, can't, we can't hold the trial right now. It's too soon. It's too fast. We don't have enough time. And then the other side says, okay, we're going we're gonna to agree with you because we want to do this in a, in a fair, equal, balanced way. We're going to come to an agreement. And then afterwards you say, oh, well, now, now it doesn't matter because... The president's not in office. It's like, okay, so what is this the run to the county line and no longer you no longer have jurisdiction? But the crime was committed. But now you're saying that it doesn't count? This is like saying there's a statute of limitations on being held accountable for your actions after a certain amount of time. You can't be charged for certain crimes. 
this to me seems like another big lie that you can get away with breaking the law if you just know how to do it right. How to find a loophole, how to get out of being a bad guy. Now, my son didn't know he was being a bad guy. I believe that Donald Trump knew he was being a bad guy. He was actually breaking the law. He knew that because of his first impeachment. And Susan Collins from Maine will tell you that he learned his lesson there. And I would have to disagree with uh, Senator Collins. However, I'm digressing off into the weeds here. My point is that when we believe something to be true, what do we do when we find out that it's not true? If we believe that our ex cheated on us and that's why we broke up with them, and then we find out that they didn't actually really cheat on us, and we threw away a relationship based on a falsehood, that, that damage is permanent. So if someone tells you that your spouse is cheating on you, but it's not really true, and you act on that, then what do you do afterwards? When we believe something that's not true, how do we change that? And everybody gets to decide how they're going to do this all the time, because just like I already said, there's no one pure answer. There's no one way to deal with every situation. There's no, you know, A plus B equals C. That's algebra, but that's not life. And actually, algebra isn't held constant in all situations either, but that's a whole different story. So what do you do when you find out you're wrong? When I see the news that talks about counties that are the poorest counties in the United States, they have the least access to health care, they have the least access to education, they have the least access to food, housing, civil rights, fair justice, equality. And then I hear them as they're being interviewed saying that, you know, that they vote for people who take away these things from them. I don't understand this, but they believe that they are correct. They believe they're right. This is a fundamental difference in, again, being a good person in believing what you believe is good. And so I don't know the answer to this question, so I'm sort of throwing it out there. Everyone's going to have to answer it for themselves, of course. But the idea is, what do you do when you find out you're wrong? And not just in your relationships, not just at work, and not just in politics, but you as a person inside. What do you do when you find out you're wrong? Do you apologize? Do you accept responsibility? Do you acknowledge? Do you say it out loud? Do you go to the person that was harmed by your disinformation, your uninformation, your wrong information? How do you look yourself in the mirror, right? This is the ultimate accountability in our culture or in some areas, I guess. How do you live with yourself if you're not willing to accept personal responsibility? That's what this all comes down to. If you say that you are going to challenge someone else's beliefs and you know that that's not true, how do you then justify that to yourself? And how do you justify that to the people around you? It's an interesting question. So personal responsibility. And if you listen to any of my other podcasts, I go through this very thorny problem in many different ways. 
So how do you rectify a wrong? How do you figure out how to make things right? That's the question for 2021. How do we make things right? That's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for joining us. Come back and listen to our next podcast next week. This is your host, Jay Cafretta, signing off for the Fibonacci Temple.